Hello and welcome to another episode of Emerging Excellence. I'm your host, Felicity Fury, and I am once again joined by the incredible Brett Bassett. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Brett, how are you? I'm well, Felicity. Looking forward to this one. It's a good yes, me too. one. It's fun. It is a very interesting topic that we'll be diving into today. The topic is feedback. Good feedback, bad feedback. We're going to talk about it all. Performance management, star ratings, and a very important topic, of course, for any leader to talk about. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. Brett, why do you like this topic? Um, I like it because I have given some great feedback and I have given some terrible feedback. And let me start with a terrible feedback piece. I, I remember when I was working in a large consulting firm many, many years ago, I was new to the leadership game, and I had to give somebody some performance feedback. And I had no idea how to do it. I'd never been trained or spoken to about it. And this is just after I'd come from the police. So back then there was not a lot of feedback, right? It was you turn up, you did your job and you went home. And at then back then I used a movie rating as a, as a feedback template. And I'll explain. I said to this poor person one day, I said, Jennifer, her name was not Jennifer, but Jennifer, you know, I rate people based on a movie. And they said, yes. And I said, well, I said, you're like the movie Waterworld. You should never have been made. Now, I haven't seen the movie Waterworld. I don't know if it's any good or bad, but it was just an example. So I'm not, you know, I'm not suggesting that that was a bad movie or anything. But the reason I talk about that, right, is this person was mortified. And I have never, ever felt so embarrassed in respect of giving leadership, sorry, feedback as I did then. So the reason that I love this topic is it can fundamentally make a good, a bad, or an indifferent person change how they engage at work. So I love feedback. I think it's great. It's hard. This where for me is is a great area where the rubber hits the road in respect of great leadership. Mm, so true. It's a great opportunity to demonstrate great leadership. And when I hear the word feedback, I think the first thing that comes to mind is cringe and just going, oh, yuck, I've had so many bad conversations with feedback. Right there is performance reviews. It's that t- you know, annual time of the year where you sit down and have an awkward conversation. And I've had some that have gone absolutely terribly. And I absolutely can guarantee I've been the person giving bad feedback as well to other people. And then you kind of another you know, conversation, you go, okay, I've got a framework. I'm going to apply the framework. And you go in, it's almost the first conversation you've had with this framework. And then it's still awkward. So, but I'd love to hear your tips on how do you give, how do you do feedback well? I think. The first thing is, you know, it's got to be timely. So it's got to be real time. If you're getting to a conversation with somebody and they don't know what you think of their performance before you walk into the meeting, then I think you failed. I really, really believe that. So for me, some tips, it's got to be real time. It's got to be honest. It's got to be fair. It's got to be given with empathy. You know, there's that, there's that, framework you spoke about framework you've heard of the proverbial i don't want to say the s-h-i-t sandwich but maybe (laughs) the poo sandwich right i think that's a crock of crap quite frankly because i think if you're having to give somebody good feedback sandwich by bad feedback or vice versa you're not being true so for me tips and trips it has to be honest has to be real time has to be empathetic and it has to be given in a way that somebody understands the good, the bad, and the indifferent, but importantly, how they can take something away and actually use it in their job, if that makes sense. What about you? Definitely. You just remind me of that last piece around, um, I remember one time I was in a feedback 
meet or performance review. And my manager said to me, you know, I need you to do X, Y, Z. And I sat there and I thought, I have no idea how to do that. And I said, okay, how would you propose I do that? And he said, I don't know. And so I thought, well, what are we going to do here? Is a bit stuck because if you don't know how I'm going to do it, I don't know how I'm to, what, what's the use of that? So I've also heard of the the poo sandwich and tried that out. And I think it has equally feel the same way about it. One thing I've seen that's done well is talking about here's what I loved. So things that have gone well, and here's what I'd like to see more of. So mm-hmm. it could be you know, more communication, more whatever. And that can be the improvement moment. I think also the framing as well is really important. So I've had a fantastic mentor who talked about it focusing on the behavior, not the person or the personality. And I think that also fits really well with this idea of growth mindset of it's not, you're not fixed like I'm a, you know, bad at communicating or I'm bad at leadership. We've got this ability to grow and adapt and change. So then getting in that mindset of it's something you can continually work on, improve over time. And it's less about you as a person, like I'm a bad leader. It's, oh, okay, I'm not behaving in a way that a leader would right now and focusing on that. And I think that can really uncouple that that piece of I'm a bad person or I'm not good. Have you used things like that before, Brett? Look, I haven't. And I think it's important for me to say this right up front. Felicity, in that example that you gave where you asked the question back, a really important part of the leadership or the feedback loop, it has to be a conversation. It can't just be one way. And so, you know, where I've not done well from a a feedback perspective is I've just said this is the expectation you haven't delivered and then left it off. So getting back to, to what you were talking about, one of the things that I like to do is I like to set it all up beforehand. So the way that I do the feedback loop, whether it's on an ongoing basis or in a in a formal performance conversation, is I ask my staff, the people that, that work with me, I ask them to self-assess Tell me what you think you're doing well. Tell me what you don't think you're doing well. Tell me what I can help you with. I get them to document that. I get them to send it to me before I send them my written feedback. So they send it to me. What I then do is I take their written feedback and I put comments directly next to their written feedback. Agree, don't agree, this is why I don't agree. What about this? What about this? What about this? Then what I do is I then get them to self-rate. And we'll talk about the self-rating piece later on. I then give them my rating and I send it back to them if there's a rating required, right? And the reason that I do that, when you get into the conversation, in my experience, then it allows you to talk about the stuff where there is a disagreement as opposed to, you know, an easy way to do it would be to say, well, look, we both agree that you're doing great here and you don't, you're not necessarily doing great here, as opposed to let's explore why there's a divergence of views here and let's see how we can work through and actually focus on those divergent views. So so that's what I do. I also think, you know, from a tips and tricks or from a, a real life scenario, you've actually got to understand before you walk into the meeting that if you actually don't prepare, you will look really, really, really bad as a leader. So so that's what I think about that. Frameworks are great, but I think it's more about the delivery piece in my view. And it kind of points to what we've spoken about before is it's underlying values, behaviours, culture that you hope's in that organisation and that it's not a surprise when they get to that conversation. Oh, gosh. And then it also makes it not very constructive because you're kind of putting people on the spot to go, oh, okay, well, how am I going to address this? And you know, what would go through my mind is, okay, how am I going to manage this? Oh, I want to go for, you know, say, go for a promotion next year. Okay, how is that going to fit in? What's going to be documented? So it gives people pro- time to process and think, which I think is important for adapting to people's different 
different styles because some people do like to talk about it on the spot. Some people do like to think about it. And I think the no surprises approach is really helpful because then you can have a real discussion about it. Yeah. You know, that that word discussion is paramount in feedback, right? It has to be a discussion. It can't just be one person saying something and the other person in effect shutting up or, or closing off. So look, I think it's really important. Let me ask this question. With the COVID world that we've all lived through over the last number of years, have you seen a change in in how feedback is delivered face-to-face versus online? And do you think there is a, a better way to do it? I think people are more adaptable now to working online. And I know a lot of, well, I've actually been working in an online environment since we started the not-for-profit power of engineering 12 years ago because we were working across states. And so I feel very comfortable in this this online environment or even over the phone. But I find a lot of people are not that comfortable doing it or having feedback conversations over the phone or online. So that my views are quite biased because I've had lots of training and worked in that space for a long time. So I think there's a need for us to, to be good at it. And it's that, how would I, how would I describe it? If you're having those regular conversations, it doesn't matter because you've got that trust and you've built those foundations. I think it is tricky when you're in a structure like an organization that has the once a year performance review and that's the feedback time. I agree it needs to be ongoing over time. And when we're in that online environment, we need to be more proactive in having those incidental conversations and making time to talk about these things rather than just saving it up for an annual review. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Let me ask this question. Are you a are you a believer of feedback in a, a more formal sense, for example, insofar as once a week or once every three months or at the end of the year? Do you like that? Do you like the real-time feedback insofar as, oh, look, uh, Johnny, Jenny, I just want to give you some feedback right now, almost like the coaching piece. What's your preference? I think it depends on the person. If I say with my husband, because we regularly give each other feedback, uh, I really like to do it as soon as I've noticed something because I don't like things to like fester or linger and we want to talk about it straight away and go, hey, that communication didn't quite work for me there or, hey, look, I screwed that up. Can we start again? Here's what I was trying to say. So it's a lot more real time and that gap is closed and I think that's partly to do... straight to the negative. Sorry, you went straight to the negative. What about the positive felicity? What about, Michael, you've done a great job here or something along those lines? Well, and I have... Interestingly, through parent my parenting journey, we've I've learned one thing is to also praise the stuff that's going well. So I have stepped up my encouragement. And I have to say it's very rare that we have these feedback, you know, negative feedback sessions. They're always the ones you remember. I heard actually you've got to have nine pieces of positive news to counteract the one piece of negative news. Which is fascinating when you think about it from a feedback perspective, because if it is all around negative performance and things that aren't going well, then you're going to feel like you're doing not a great job. But we do, we do often say the things that are going well. So I, I actually really like even just say we've run a workshop or we've had a meeting and at the end going, how did that go? What did you think? And I learned that from a fantastic guy who's been involved with We Aspire, Steve Baker. He was the head of the roulettes, the military acrobatics team for six seasons 
absolutely brilliant guy and he did a lot of training. So he was the trainer of the trainers for fighter jets. And he said at the end of every session, at the end of every flight, you sit down and you go, you go, what worked well, what didn't work well, which I think is feedback actually, but we might not you know, think about it like that in an engineering context. It's kind of like your project review or, or whatever that is, but it's all feedback. So, you know, we ran a workshop yesterday with a client, Michael and I driving back in the car and said, what do you think we could have done better? What do you think we could have improved on? Would you change anything? So I feel like a lot of the time it is in our in our culture, our natural environment. And I, I do have a, a preference for that. It can depend because there's also, you know, there might be a standard or there might be an achievement level where someone does want to go and then maybe more of that formal kind of step-by-step is is required. But then I think that also often links back to people's goals. So if they have a goal then of, you know, being promoted or developing themselves in one area, that's going to be an ongoing conversation where it's, here's your goal, how are we tracking against that? And I like to have weekly one-on-ones with my team. And so it would kind of naturally come up in that. And it's a two-way street. I also ask people, what could I do better as a leader? And even at the end of a workshop, say, how did that go? What would you give me out of 10? And I, every time I ask, I cringe because I am, you're, I often, when it comes to myself, I'm usually a positive person, but when it comes to myself, I go to the negative. And I'm so scared when I ask people that about what they say. And I'd say most of the time I get really good, good positive feedback. And it does surprise me because I'm very harsh on myself of how I could improve and do better. But I think you have to be courageous both sides when it comes to feedback and be honest. Oh, absolutely. Let's uh, let's let's delve into this question. So you said out of ten, right? In that yeah. example, okay. what's your view about whether or not, as part of feedback or performance management, you should give people ratings? Say that again. So, what part of do you mean? Um, on like here's how here's how you've gone gone overall out of ten. Out of 10 or three stars versus five stars. I'll give you some real life examples from my perspective. I've got a view. But tell me, what's your view? Do you, do you like the idea of of somebody getting a rating? I'd say I don't like giving people ratings, but I like getting a rating because then it's less subjective and it's, you know, but then I've heard research that everyone just goes for seven and a half out of 10. It's like the most common response that people say. But I guess the question is, what's the rating and why? And I'd probably say the why is more important because often, you know, whatever rating I've gotten, say I got a seven out of 10, I'd go, why did you give me that? And they go, oh, I really love this part, but then I didn't really gel with this. And that's actually where the value is in in terms of the discussion, as you said earlier, rather than the number. But my engineering brain also likes numbers. So let me, let me, the reason it's a, a tainted it question. A question. I, so I've got a view. I'll give you, I'll give you a real life example. So in an organization I worked at, there was a, a star rating. So uh, you got three stars, you got one, two, three, four, five. Five was the best. Four, three, two, one. So I went into this organization. And the first time I gave feedback of my, you know, the leadership team that I'd put in place, um, I rated everybody three stars. And I remember a couple of people said, I can't believe you think I'm failing. And I said, explain that. And they said, well, I've never had three stars before. I've only ever had five stars. And I said, okay. And I said, so. In the conversations that we've been having, in the feedback that I've been giving you, have I said that you've done anything negative? And I said, no. I said, have I said that you're doing a great job? And these people said, absolutely, you've said that. And I said, so why would I give you five stars when my expectation and the organisation's expectation is that you turn up every day, you do your job to the best of your ability, and ticket to play is that if you do that, then you get three stars. 
versus tell me where you've gone over and above the expectation of doing your job and doing it really, really well. And that might get you to four or five stars. So the reason I talk about that is I think that the rating system can be a positive, but it can also hold people back. So the way I like to use a rating system, if there is one, is to say, the expectation is that you will be the best that you can be. You'll deliver the values, you'll show the behaviours, you'll deliver on your business plan. You won't spend a dollar more than your budget and all that type of thing. And if you do all of that, then you'll get three stars because that's the expectation of the organisation that I'm leading. And then what that does is it allows you to really pull apart the, the stuff that's higher than what the normal expectation is and give a rating of four or five. What's your thoughts on that? Harsh? I think it's fair. I think I think it's I think it's important to set the boundaries and the expectations. And that's often I think what a lot of people miss. Mm. And that it depends. I think if we think about something like school, where you know, if you to get a C, which you could say could be, you know, the average or that's a passing mark you're getting maybe 50% right and 50% not right. And so I think often we relate it to that where actually we want people to have get the most amount, you know, correct or develop that skill because we want them to be competent in that area. So I think we can get really funked up about the ratings because of past experiences with school or relationship to failure. So I think when that expectation is made clear of, okay, a three is meeting expectations and the four or five is going above and beyond, I think that that totally makes sense. People are clear on that. And I think also it relies on the leader or the manager being, oh, it's so hard, it's like fair because then you have biases that come into it and then naturally, you know, you I like people that are similar to me because of, you know, being a human and connecting with your tribe and all that stuff. So I think it can be really tricky when you get into that ground of the biases and 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 that side of things as well. So I like it. I think I'd use it. I, I the reason I like it is because it sets an it sets an expectation that high performance is measured by what you do and turn up every day. And it has to be the starting point of when you come to work every day, in my view, you've got to be the best that you can be. And that's what we expect. And importantly, that's what you should expect of the organisation that you're working with as well. Mm. Because when I first started using this feedback in this organisation I'm talking about, people thought that they were failing because they weren't getting a five. Mm. And I said, no, no, no. If you're getting a three from me, it means that you're doing a really good job. Keep doing the great job. We want everybody to do a great job and to turn up ticket to play, as opposed to you really only are doing your job if you get a five, if that makes sense. So I think it's the setting expectations piece as you outlined. I've got to say, they were some of the hardest feedback or performance conversations I've ever had to have because it was different to the way it had been done previously. What about if we flip that on its head, no ratings? You just talk about how somebody's doing their job. What's your thoughts on that? Well, the thing I do like about the ratings, it gives people room to grow and room to improve. And also they're clear on the expectations. So I think if you remove it, then it can be tricky to work out really, you know, what does that mean? How do I interpret it? Because then again, it comes back to being subjective. So I think it can, I've seen where it's not been helpful is, is when it is when people do have you know here's the company's integrity you know the company's values integrity etc cetera, etc cetera. first of all people don't really get what those mean and they're not actually embedded in the culture so that's kind of the first challenge that that's there but then it becomes subjective so 
how do you know someone has met that expectation? Integrity is, you know, a big word, like not big, you know, it's people have lots of interpretations of that word. So how do you know if you're going to kind of fit into it? And then I feel like it has to be so individual. It's like everyone's learning plan or development plan. It's going to be whatever's going to be right for that person in kind of where they're at. I know for myself, sometimes it's been easier to have roles that are easy just because I need, I, you know, was had a mental health challenge and I needed to go into a job where I could just be an engineer and build an infrastructure project. And that was awesome. I could do that job easy peasy, no problem. I did not, I did not have any concern for doing the best, you know, I did my job. I didn't do like the best, most amazing job. I did exactly what I was capable with. So I think it also, we need to think about that side of things too, of what people actually want to do, because some people might not want to be a five out of five. They might want to be a three. And I think that's okay too. What do you think? So See, I reckon it's the framing. Don't we want everybody to be at least a three out of five? If if we're saying that the benchmark, turning up, doing a job to the best of your ability and being a great, you know, contributor to an organisation, don't we want to change the frame to which we're saying and, and actually say, we want everybody to be a three. And we recognise that if we look at a bell curve, there'll only be a small number of people who are the fours or the fives. Hmm. I reckon if we if we reframe that, I think it engenders a high-performance culture. I think it engenders people feeling comfortable in just turning up and doing their job and that's okay and not having to go up beyond. So I, I really, really, I work hard on, on that on a daily basis with my team, you know. I give positive feedback, I give examples, I say values, this hasn't aligned or this is a great example where, and I, you know, it's it's the old adage in my view, and I'm keen to get your view on this, about praising in public and castigating for lack of a better word in private. So, so I think, you know, my view is, oh, well, the way I look at it, I want everybody to be a three. If we've got three star, if we've got a five-star rating, I want everyone to be a three. And only a small people number of people will be four and fives. And that's okay if we have the majority of people being threes, because that's that shows a high performance team. What's mm-hmm. your view about the castigation in private and the praising in public? And let me throw a challenge at you while you're thinking about that. As a values-based leader, for example, how do you demonstrate that when somebody's not meeting expectations as part of a performance loop, that you're actually having those conversations with them if you can only castigate them in private? Such a good question. I definitely, it depends, you know, I feel like it depends. It depends. I think it's always important to praise in public. And that's something that we try and do within our team is in each team meeting, acknowledge someone for something great they've done and really have that be part of our culture. And, you know, even at home, we do that with that. With my husband, and we talk about, and our son, we talk about the great things that they've done to the point where now we push our pram up the stairs. Our three-year-old says, "Good job, mummy." So <laughs> we know it's uh, we're role modelling it at home. I think sometimes there is an opportunity to pull out things that haven't worked well in a public environment, and it would be the situation where we want to demonstrate that that behavior is not okay but i would have the i would have the conversation with someone one on one first like hey look i've noticed this this isn't happening give the feedback but then if it's you know if we've said in the team meeting oh we've noticed people you know this person's late etc you know we you know want say be on time this is poor explanation of it but i think it's important to acknowledge that we don't tolerate it as a team because then that sets the standard for the team to participate. But you do have to take that very delicately to make sure that you're not 
I'm say like diminishing that person or disrespecting that person. It's almost like with permission. And I've had this conversation. Hey, do you mind if I share about this with the team? And you know, can't think of a time they've said no. So I think it's it is it can always be an opportunity to role model and role play for people in the team more broadly, and 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 show that standard that we're setting. What do you think? I think that's I think that's great. You made a point really early in the in the in the session today about never making it about the individual, but making it about the the issue or the theme or something. I reckon that's a great way where you can actually say, you know, the the values that we espouse here and the behaviours we want, you will turn up on time. And let me give everybody clarity. Where people don't turn up on time, you can rest assured that I'll be making sure I have those conversations in private. That's the way, you know, where I, as as an example, where I would say, this is the expectation. You can expect that as the leader, I will deal with underperformance if it's happening, but I won't have it in in an open forum if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. what you're doing then is you're, you're actually saying, I've dealt with Johnny or Jenny who haven't done the right thing. You can rest assured with that. Yeah. And you can also talk about it from from yourself as well. So if it is the thing about being on time, rock, you know, go to a meeting, I arrive two minutes late. You know, this is this is what's happened and we haven't, you know, we have an agreement to be here on time. So look, here's what we're gonna put in place or, you know, whatever there needs to be done to go, look, as a leader, this have actually not demonstrated those values. So calling it out on yourself as a way to role model for people, I think can be really powerful as well to show that you're not stepping over it. But that takes so much as a leader, I think, to be courageous and admit to, hey, I've made a mistake. And we all do, right? We're all human. It's going to happen. Things, things, Life happens. And so I think it can be helpful as a leader to also acknowledge that. Is that something you've done before as well, Brett? I always make mistakes. So I seriously, and I always put my hand up. Look, I'm, I really mean this when I say this. I'm never the smartest person in the room. I'm really, really not. And so my expectation, and I set, set this as part of every organisation I'm a part of, I say, if you need to tell me something, I want you to tell me. And then what I do is I say, I'll call myself out if I get it wrong. But I also, if I don't think that I've got something wrong or I don't put my hand up, I need you to tell me. So, so I mean, I've given examples on previous podcasts about where I've given being terrible leader. I gave the example last week about where I castigated somebody in an open forum and then I went around to every every one of the people and said, sorry, you know. So, look, I, I think, you know, sometimes a leader needs to say, I got it wrong and it was terrible and I apologise. Sometimes there will be situations where a leader doesn't know that they've got it wrong. And mm. my throwback question to you is this. In that situation as the leader, because often in feedback we talk about the leader giving feedback or the manager giving feedback, how do you like to receive feedback from your team and and what's worked well? Even the mention of the word feedback, I just go, <laughs> all these like past experiences about feedback. I'm super, our team's amazing actually at We Aspire, super proud of them. And one of the things I love is that they're not afraid to say their perspective and what they they think. And Particularly, you know, with Michael and myself as the founders of the business, you know, maybe that could be intimidating of, oh, okay, I can't speak up to them. And one example comes to mind, which was last year we had a, a get together in a planning session towards the end of the year. And I'm something, or actually, yeah, I'm, you know, however many months pregnant. And we said to the team, okay, this is the plan for the year. We're going to do this retreat in February and we're going to do this. And they said, aren't you having a baby in January? And it's I'm sure I'm working out. It'll be fine. And they actually said, no, no, that is not a good plan. Like we should not do that. And 
I was so impressed that they first of all felt comfortable to say that in a group setting to me and Michael. And then they actually changed our minds on it. And I I was so glad they did because there is no way I could have run a retreat in February with a month-old baby. That was a ridiculous idea. So I I think it's having that culture of feedback or it's just almost part of the normal discussion and you can bring that up in the meeting of, look, that's not working for me or, you know, whatever's happening. I get really nervous when, I, like, you know, someone's like, I just need to catch up with you in the diary and then you go, oh, is it? I always go, it's going to be bad. I'm going to get fired. Someone hates me. And that I know is my automatic dialogue in my mind that I have to put aside and go, okay, it could be a good thing. It doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. So my initial reaction to feedback, catch up, you know, previous chat to the boss is, you know, freak out or a board meeting, like the board's going to tell me how much I suck at everything. And, you know, or it's just there. It just, I've heard it be called like, it's like an alien on your face when you wake up in the morning, it's just there. So for me, I really need to think a lot about what are those automatic default things that come up. And actually a lot of it is from being being at school and not feeling like I had friends at school and wanting to people please and get along with people. And that is almost like an intrinsic driver that I know is there of people pleasing, which, you know, just totally messes with me with feedback. So I feel like I've had a messy relationship with it. And, you know, when I do actually have the conversation, I always get something of value. Whether I, you know, sometimes I might not actually agree with the person or it's given in context. Um, I'll just give one example before I throw back to you, Brett, is I applied for this board role and I gave it a really good red hot go, put in my application, got to the interview stage. It was between me and someone else. They said, you haven't got on the board because we were looking for someone who has experience in the political federal government environment and in another area. And I thought, you know what? I don't have that experience and I don't have any interest in getting that experience. So that's actually a really good choice for me and for them. They shouldn't put me on that board. And I actually was pitching, you know, industry experience and partnerships, whereas where that was what I could see would add value to the organization and was also in my kind of strength area. So the feedback was actually relieving going, that totally makes sense. I would have made that same decision. So I think also, uh, yeah, even though I, cringe at feedback, it's always helpful in the end. I I agree. And I think what I like to do is I like to have people around me that aren't yes people. That's the first thing. Second Mm -hmm. thing is I used a trick that a former board member of a previous organisation I was at taught me, and it was it's so simple, but it is so effective. So when I give feedback and when I ask for feedback from my boss or from staff generally, I say, tell me what you want me to keep doing. Tell me what you want me to stop doing and tell me what you want me to start doing. So keep doing, start doing, stop doing. I love that simplicity of messaging because, you know, in in doing that, it's giving you feedback that you can action. It's feedback based on a specific example and it's the good stuff, the developmental stuff and some stuff that you may not have actually thought about. And so I'm a really, really big believer that and I say to my teams, you know, when I work, tell you can say anything to me. There is nothing that's taboo. I always say, if you don't feel comfortable talking to me, if you think I've done something wrong, then go to the, my supervisor. Generally, that's over the last seven or eight years, it's been boards, etc. And so I think you know that's a really, really good way for a leader to say I'm open. But I also think that sometimes, as a leader, when somebody's giving you feedback, you need to just sit there and take it and demonstrate that it's okay to say something that's not necessarily going to be a positive. 
And I think there's actually always a way to acknowledge the feedback and show that you heard what someone is saying, which I think is important as a leader. And things I've used before, I love saying this because it has me think differently, which is I've never thought about it that way. And you can say that and you can be right and the other person can be right at the same time too. And then if I go, I never thought about that way, it gives me a chance to think about it in that situation and really go, there could be a different view here. And that's really powerful, I think, where we can have that pause moment to stop and reflect because often I've actually had people literally come up to me after running a workshop in a topic that I'm an expert in and said, here's how I would have done it differently. And, you know, I think I go, okay, like someone, so interesting that someone really felt the need to say that. So I go, okay, I want to, you know, acknowledge that that person felt that was important whether I, I agree or not. And I've I said to people, wow, and it's the end of a workshop. It's like an evening. I you know, am a tired working mum and I'm like, just be great with people. But that's a real value for me as a leader to go be great with people and respect them and what they have to say. So I think that have you used anything like that before, Brett, of being able to respect and acknowledge where respectfully disagree? Would that be the right word? Yeah. Do you know what I, do you know what I use? I just say, I acknowledge what you've said. Because by acknowledging it, you're saying, I've heard what you said. You don't, in my experience, you don't necessarily need to agree with what Mm -hmm. someone said. So the the reason I use that phrase, I acknowledge, is I've found it to be less confrontational. You know, I've found it, I always like to think, you know, it's really difficult to say that you disagree with somebody without actually getting it into a combative combative nature or having it be patronising. So in my view, the way I like to use the phrase is, I acknowledge what you've said. That's it. As mm-hmm. a question, I heard what you said. I don't necessarily agree. Can we have a further conversation about it? Now, in some instances, you may actually want to have that conversation to mm-hmm. unpack why somebody's saying something about, you know, they're giving you feedback. But so for me, I, I like to use the, the phrase, I acknowledge. I mm. And I think also that comes back to that development of self and leading self in a way, because if you're clear about yourself and where you want to go, that I think it's important to not take on all the feedback. And early in my career, I thought I've got to take on everything. Like someone told me, you've got to be more aggressive, Felicity. Okay. How do I go be more? That was feedback I got. Go be more aggressive. And I, I was like, I don't know how to do that. And then, you know, this is before I realized you can authentically be yourself and lead, and that's okay. And it's like, what is it? What does aggressive Felicity look like? It's just so not me. And I thought, you know, okay, I've got to listen to people who have, you know, older, more experienced than me because I wasn't clear on myself personally. What are my strengths? Where can I add value and the direction that I'm going? And that I think is an important element of, you know, getting and receiving feedback, that balance of being open to hearing it, but also sure of yourself and clear what's going to work for you. Do you agree, Brett, or disagree? No, I agree with that. I do agree with that, Felicity. I think... um it's such a fine line. I think this comes back to you made mention of the leading self piece, right? You need to be open to be better every single day, right? Sometimes it's just bloody hard work being a leader. Sometimes it's bloody hard work having everybody say, you're doing a crap job, you're doing a crap job, because the higher you get, and we've spoken about this in other podcasts, the more lonely it is. At the higher you get, the chances that you're going to get told that you're doing a great job is really, really limited. But gee, mm-hmm. You know, the naysayers will come and say, oh, the place is crap because of bang, 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 bang. I think the other thing that I would say, we've spoken about this previously, is this is why reflection can be such a good thing 
for a leader to do, both in respect of what they themselves have been given feedback about or how they themselves may have given feedback. So I think that reflection piece is a really, really, really good, important part. Let me ask another question of you. What do you do if you're giving feedback and you just know that the person's not hearing it? They're not buying into it. What do you do? I would. You really put me on the spot today, Brett. I love it. I'm really thinking hard. I would say... I would go to, I'd always go back to align to goals is like a big, a big thing for me. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you think of this because this is literally what I've done with my experiential leadership learning on the job where I go, okay, what are your goals? What's important? Okay, cool. Do you think that, and ask them the question, have it be more of a coaching conversation? Do you think this aligns with that or not? And that's why I love speaking with people about their goals and they first come on as a team, where do they want to go, et cetera, or helping figure out what that is. Because as a leader, I go, well, it's, you know, I feel like part of my job is to help them get there and to help support them in that journey. And they've got to have buy-in, they've got to have a why for why they're doing that role. So if they're not hearing, I mean, this is all, you know, in a nice world, (laughs) you go, oh, how are your goals? What's going on? How does that align to those goals? I feel like if the conversation, there's always an opportunity to have the conversation again. So it could be that they're not hearing me because they're stressed or they've got something else going on in their life. So if I was, I tried that and I was in the conversation and I noticed it still wasn't working, I would go, look, you know, I'd love to continue this conversation. Let's go away and reflect and, and, you know, have some reflection opportunity or question and come back to it and revisit again. Because I do believe, you know, even if you had a terrible conversation, there's always an opportunity to go back and whether it is, hey, I totally screwed that up. I wasn't listening to you, et cetera, et cetera. And the third piece I'd say is uh, it can often be a mirror. So I'd reflect for myself, what am I, who am I not being or what am I not bringing to the conversation that they're not hearing what I'm saying. And it could be an integrity thing. It could be like, oh, I've been late to a meeting and so they're just like, oh, why would I listen to you? You don't do what you say you're going to do. So there might be something there for me to address personally as a leader. And there might not be. I just find that a powerful tool to look for myself to go, what more could I add? How would you do it? Well, I think it's a tip and trick that I quite often use if I think that people are zoning out. I say, tell me what you think I've said or play back Mm. what, what I've said. Because in doing that, if people are listening and they're getting it and people, you know, body language and everything will tell you that somebody may or may not be listening. And, you know, I think if I'm unsure, what I always like to do is to say, tell me what you've heard. Tell me, play back for me what I've said to you. Mm. If somebody can play back, you know, roughly what I'm saying, then I think they've heard it. If they if they are so left of field, then I I know, okay, well, no, that's not what I said or that's that's not what I wanted you to hear. Let's go back into the conversation. So that's just something that I like to do if if I mm. and it can be open to interpretation too. Like it could just be they just haven't got that skill or that experience to understand that piece. So then that's a great opportunity to go further into it or explain more. Mm. Do you think people get enough feedback, Brett? Uh, I would like that. Well, I think it. I don't think you can answer that. You know, it's a general question, and I, you made mention of this previously today, Felicity. I think. Different people want different types of feedback at different times and in different ways. Mm. So I think in, if we look at if we look at what we're seeing in the employment market now, right? I think it's my experience tells me that um, the different generations as they come through, they are more likely to tell their leaders what they think than probably when I 
Mm. stuff in my career. So I think that's probably happening more than previously. That's my gut feel about it. Uh, I Look, that's a hard question. I think if you get into a meeting, a feedback meeting, and there's a surprise, I think that's indicative that somebody's not getting enough feedback. Yeah. That would be the way that I would I would answer that. But mm-hmm. as you absolutely correctly said previously in the conversation today, it should be tailored to every individual. What's your thoughts? Well, it's interesting. When we run our Elevate Immersive Experience Days, a lot of what we do is give feedback. So people are role-playing different scenarios. And what's great about it is that they're with a mentor that they haven't worked with or met before. So the mentor doesn't have that you know, reason to promote them, et cetera. So they can give open and real feedback. So I think that can often be a missing is that there's a, people have agendas and ulterior motives sometimes when they're giving feedback. They want the person to stay. They want to promote them. They want to train them up for a leadership role. So I think often we don't get that neutral feedback or that kind of independent feedback and that opportunity to choose whether we take it on or not because there's an investment in that relationship or there's they're that you know they're the boss so there's you know I've got to like for me we go first thing I've got to please my boss so what's the right thing to say here to please my boss is my automatic what's there rather than you know what's going to work best for me or best my career or that situation so we do find that a lot of young people coming through don't get the feedback they want, even on basic things like responding to emails. That's something that we give feedback on. So I think if there are people in that situation, again, like that's an opportunity for leadership too, right? If you're a young person, you're not getting the feedback that you want, then potentially that's a missing from the culture within your organization. That could be something that you might want to go do about. So rather than going to your leader, hey, I'm not getting feedback, go, hey, I'm not getting feedback and here's what I'd like to do about it. So I think generally people People don't get a huge amount of feedback from what we've seen, but I also think people don't actively think to seek it out as well. It's, mm. yeah. I think as you were talking, I was thinking about a conversation I had driving in a car in Abbotsford Road in Melbourne many years ago, and it's that seeking feedback. I think as leaders, we should always seek or encourage feedback of our own performance, right? I really, really believe that. And I don't think as a leader you can never have enough feedback from your staff up. I really believe that. And I remember in a conversation, I was working for an organisation and we'd just done out and gone out and I was, I'd gone out with somebody who was more senior than me, much more senior than me, to have this conversation with this client. And on the way back, this person said to me, Freddie, you know, this person used to call me Freddie because my last name's Bassett. This person said, so Freddie, tell me, how did you think we went? And I was seething because in this meeting in front of this client, I'd just been let down by my leader and I was seething, right? And I just unloaded and I said, this was crap, you were crap, blah, blah, blah. This is my boss, right? Somebody very, very senior. Now, it was a pivotal moment for me because I could have literally been sacked on the spot for being so disrespectful. But this person said to me, you know, he took a little bit of time and he said to me, thank you. I've never, ever had somebody that's been so honest with me. Now, the takeaway for me is, I was disrespectful. I shouldn't have been. And the moment he spoke, I I apologised, right? But I then saw an immediate change. And when we went back out to see that client and when we worked together, it was actually a better relationship for us. Mm. And so, you know, the whole purpose of this part of the conversation today is about can we get, are we getting enough feedback or are we seeing enough feedback? I think as a leader, we should always seek and hope to get feedback. And if we don't, then we should seek it out. I think that's really, really important. I think it comes down to a personal value. If you if you value, you know, improvement, high performance, then it's a natural thing to ask. 
I'm going to end the end the podcast with a question. But how do you think we're doing? Give us how do you think I'm doing in uh, in this podcast? Can you give me a rating out of out of five stars? We're not going to give you a rating. I'm going to give you a rating. That's too easy, Felicity. So <laughs> you and I had a conversation before the podcast, and I gave you some feedback on some stuff. <laughs> you did. You did. So I was like, I open to it. Yeah, you were open to it, and you're always open to it. I think I think you and I are getting much better at the conversation, right? I've yep. got to say, when we first started this, I was I was a fish out of water, you know. What did you and Michael call me? The wisdom worker, which means that I'm old. So I think we're finding our groove a lot better now. I think it's a more even conversation, and I think part of that is that we're starting to really see the values alignment. So that's mm-hmm. what I, I think. I think we're doing well. I really do. You know, we've got millions of followers out there on the podcast. <laughs> but see that there, that's a trip. That's a trick, right? Because early on in this conversation, and when we started having these conversations, and I'll let you give me some feedback in a minute, we were worried about how many people were going to subscribe, right? Yeah. We shouldn't care about how many people subscribe. People that want to listen will listen. They'll like it or they won't. That's okay. I'm growing in these conversations every week because I'm having a conversation with somebody that I love having a conversation with. So that would yeah. be my feedback. Over to you. Awesome. I'm enjoying it. I'd love actually if anyone is listening to, if we have any listeners to this podcast today, please send us your feedback. Tell us what you think. We would love to hear it. We do and have I some think, listeners because people reach out to me and tell me. They do. They do. I have seen. I saw the stats yesterday. We do have people listening, which is super exciting. And thank you for listening if you are listening to the very end of this podcast. I agree, Brett. And it's funny actually just in us talking that, we do actually do, like, we do the feedback anyway at the end of the podcast. We're usually asking each other, how'd that go? What'd you think? And, you know, last week you actually asked me, how do you think that went? And I and I, I think I said, oh, I think it went all right. You were great and Alana was great last week. But I felt like I was terrible because I was really tired. And I should have said, I didn't think I did well in that. So that's a fess up for me from last week of I actually should have just said, you know what, I was really struggling last week and uh, I hope that sounded all right. But I think you're doing great. I'm loving the wisdom worker. I feel like I'm often, it's like free mentoring every week from you, Brett, which I love. And I do feel a bit nervous sharing some of the leadership things I've done because I feel like a lot of it is just from my experience. I don't have a you know formal leadership qualification like you with your MBA. So I do feel a bit nervous, but I really like being open with you about what I've tried. And then I get feedback every week on on. That actually, I'm not as bad leader as I thought, which is which is quite good. But you and I have spoken about this, right? And for anyone that is listening, leadership isn't about doing a, an MBA. And you know, I took me a long time to do, do my MBA because I failed a number of subjects because I wasn't engaged, right? An MBA, as an example, is a theoretical document. Leadership isn't about theory; it's about living and breathing it. It's about making mistakes. It's it's about you know, it's about being a leader of self and others. And you can't be a leader of self and others unless you take all the theory away and you actually treat people like they're humans, like they're sitting in front of you every single day, right? So, so look, you know, oh, yeah, I've got an MBA. It doesn't mean anything. An MBA will never, ever be any good if a leader doesn't actually be authentic, be vulnerable. And that's what yeah. you and I are doing every week, Felicity. So the haters are going to hate. As, as Hayte says, the haters are going to hate. But those that are on board will love, and that's all we care about. We care about we'll have a conversation and people can listen and all they won't, and that's okay. That's it. And if there's, you know, one person listening that makes a difference to one person, then awesome. I think that's great, and we've done our job. 
I think it's been a good conversation today, Felicity. What are you? I think so too. It's taken turns and twists and I'm still thinking it's good. I'm going to be reflecting on this and no doubt when I'm in a feedback conversation very shortly, drawing on your amazing wisdom, so wisdom worker, salute to you, Brett. (laughs) We are resident wisdom worker. I do like that term. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in to today's session on feedback, a juicy topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback if you care to send them. And Brett, I'll see you next week. See you, Felicity. Bye.